Okay, so Leah, thanks for joining me tonight. We are obviously talking about RBG and um, kind of the implications of her unfortunate death here recently. Yeah. So why don't uh, why don't we get the credentials buffering podcast? I guess we'll get it kicked off. Everybody, thanks for joining us. Uh, the audio for this will be released uh, in accordance, or I guess accompanying the video. So let's go ahead and get it started off. Uh, Leah, why don't you go ahead and give me kind of your uh, first takes, your views immediately off the bat when you heard the news about RBG and really what that means. Sure. So, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, this is a tremendous loss. Uh, regardless of politics, uh, RBG was a trailblazer in terms of um, just even like, I can say that as broad as American history. She was, she was truly, truly like, a trailblazing woman and um it's it's a tremendous loss my my initial impression was of course like shock and awe but the next the very next thing for me was the reaction to the immediacy of the the republican response to it the we need to fill that seat and which my reaction of course is that's ridiculous so i feel like we can start there um it's okay well well, let's start on let's start on first reactions from both the parties yeah because i think that is a very big deal um immediately off the bat president trump hasn't commented specifically on it other than he intends to fill the seat Mm -hmm. uh but first night we really had mitch mcconnell um we had mitch mcconnell announcing that they would be intending to fill the seat so I think if this was, um, we've discussed it plenty of times, how the political atmosphere is different than it would have been 15 years ago or 10 years ago. Obviously, everything's a lot more fast-paced now. And I can say I was surprised to hear an announcement about a pos- about possibly filling the seat almost immediately. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was a very quick response, which I guess we really just live in a lot quicker political world than we did quite a while ago. But I was still expecting to kind of see this um, see this announcement, uh, the exact same thing, but I was expecting to see it probably a week from now. Right. Immediately is, is definitely surprising, but I guess it kind of mimics the political culture we're in right now. Yeah, I think it also probably has something to do with how close we are to the election. You know, of course. And- I, I say that being like we have around 40 days left until the actual election day, but we're technically already in the election. People are already voting by mail. Like it's, it's go time, you know, but agreed. So yeah, I think it's definitely different to look at where this is an election issue now where it wasn't really for uh, Obama's last term, you know, right. Which is what a lot of people have brought it to. And a lot of that has to deal with just the, uh, the political parties in power as well. So one of the big things I've heard here recently, which again, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a fantastic woman, a definite trailblazer and nothing to detract from her life at all. But, you know, looking forward, we do live in a political realm and direct action is happening right now. So instead of kind of a memorial for Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I'd really like to talk more about the uh, implications of it. Sure. I I think I'm comfortable getting right into it. Um, so I, I, give me one second actually i'm just gonna sure. quickly my dog is barking and i don't want that to be in the background of the podcast so just give me a sec yeah no problem just closing my door <sighs> okay let me know can you hear anything in the background 
No, it sounds good. Uh, but let's talk about the main arguments for both sides. And I think this is a really very complicated issue. I talked about it a little bit at the Supreme Courthouse, but it'll be nice to actually kind of debate the topic more. Um, one of the big things that's really been being pushed from the left was how Mitch McConnell denied Obama's nomination um, until after the election. So that's really been the big push, the big leg to stand on from the from the Democratic Party. But at the same time, we're seeing tweets now during that age uh, coming out from the Democrat. You know, everybody, everybody obviously loves to uh, you know throw the other party's words back at themselves. So back then, we saw a lot of distinguished politicians pushing for that nomination, even though it was right around election season. So is, I guess the first question, which I think I already know the answer to, is: Is that hypocrisy, or is that just politics? So here's here's my personal opinion on that. Uh, it, it is hypocrisy, but hypocrisy is what makes politics. So the answer is both. Um, but at the same time, while I'm obviously on the left and I, I follow that narrative of, yes, McConnell is being a hypocrite in this situation, um, I, I don't think enough people on the left are going past that. You know, like, like calling him a hypocrite is one thing, but like he hears that every single day of his life. It's not like you calling him a hypocrite on Twitter is going to like change. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, there needs to be a lot more action um, from the left if we actually want to stand behind our own words in this situation. Well, let, let's talk about that a little bit, too. Speaking to the left and um, Supreme Court justices or nominee, nominees for the associates. Uh, the Brett Kavanaugh hearing, obviously so important, so polarizing, so large um, in a political sense during 2018. Do you think we're going to kind of see that pushback with whatever candidate is chosen, no matter what, to, um, you know, to fill that seat? Do you think it's really going to I think it's a big election issue no matter what. But do you think it's going to become an actionable issue, kind of like the Kavanaugh um, confirmation was? Yeah, I think. Mainly for me, it depends on who that nominee ends up being. Of course, there is going to be pushback from the left, no matter who it is, if they, if they end up pushing for a candidate before the end of Trump's term. There's going to be pushback from the left, no matter what. I think the, uh, the Kavanaugh hearing was so raw and visceral because it was specifically regarding um, rape. And that that's something beyond just like, oh, we're putting just a random Republican in, in the seat. Mm -hmm. It's like a, a guy with you know, uh, uh, an altered moral compass, uh, allegedly. Allegedly, um, yeah. <laughs> um, in this really important seat, with, which, you know, is regarding morals. So, I, yeah. Yeah, um, okay. Um, something else I'd really like to touch on, too, is kind of the implications by being into the actual election as far as this being an election issue. Mm -hmm. um, and the first one that comes to mind is we've spoken about it multiple times about how the Democrats have a base, but Biden doesn't really have a base, a passionate base, at least, uh, for this upcoming election. So people would argue that this may be a really, uh, a real lightning rod for the Democratic base that would encourage them to get out and vote. Uh, yeah, what do you think I about mean, that? that? Was, I think that was always a little bit the idea for us, like, the up until... I don't know. I recently, the only reason that I had that was pro Biden was the fact that he was going to 
replace RBG went with a Supreme Court uh, pick when he was president. Obviously, mm-hmm. this was not counting on the fact that she was going to pass away two months yeah. before the election. But that was, for me personally, and for a couple of people I know, literally the only reason we were voting for Biden. So this well, is, that's that's probably the most important issue uh, at the moment. Uh, like, even before her death, that was the most important issue at the moment for, for a lot of us. And now it's just... Well, uh, how do you feel about it? Because we've talked about the settle for Biden mm-hmm. kind of, uh, you know, thought process for quite a while for the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. But is this something, is this, you know, a lot better ledge to stand on for the Democratic Party where they can they can push this through and they'll say Trump's speaking a conservative, he's packing the Supreme Court, stuff like that. Do you think that's really going to rally the base? I think the the... There are some people in the Democratic Party, for sure, who are too far gone, who are of the mentality that voting doesn't matter no matter what. But the ones who were on the edge, I think, are going to be pulled back towards, okay, I need to vote. So, yes, this is going to be like a a rally for us. This is going to be like a battle call. Like, it's time to go right now, you know? Yeah, well, here's the interesting part with that, too. And this is something I'm questioning a little bit. But there's a lot of different topics to dive in here. First of all, this I don't think this is really going to rally the Trump base. I feel like they're probably as rallied as physically possible at this point. Mm-hmm. So it, it really only kind of kind of draws in that opposition uh, to really oppose it. So I think that's something to look at. Uh, it's not going to necessarily you know bring more Trump voters out, other than the fact that you know Trump's doing. Trump stuff, you know, obviously this is a presidential duty, uh, but I don't think it's really going to be a rallying call for the Trump base as much as it would be for the Democratic base. And I say the Democratic base, but obviously we're talking about Joe Biden. So I think, you know, for a for a for a race that was losing a lot of steam, at least I felt like on the Democratic side, I think this could really be a be a lightning rod, as I stated earlier. And um, again, one of the big things we have to look at going into this election is, number one, Hillary Clinton, why, why it's so important to have this nominee. I mean, let, I mean, say theoretically Trump won and he could wait until after the election to appoint someone if we knew that was a for sure thing. Let's say that's a hypothetical. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things we heard from Hillary Clinton telling Joe Biden was to not concede no matter what. That was her advice to Joe Biden. Uh, no matter what the race looks like. So we could very, very definitely be looking at a contested election similar to the year 2000 uh, with um, with President Bush and Al Gore, you know, when it came down to the hanging Chad Florida election. And that was decided by a Supreme Court decision. So a four to four Supreme Court decision, um, you know, it would be tough to have during this election cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I definitely, I agree with that there. I think it's just, I mean, I know we've already, like, kind of, like, put this point past, like, behind us at, at this point in the conversation, but I honestly think the, the whole, like, you know, Mitch McConnell, Mitch McConnell's a hypocrite thing is the, the big thing right here for Democrats, the big talking point being that, like, if it's not so much about the implications for us, for us, for maybe less informed Democrats and, and people who aren't necessarily super into politics, but people who talk about politics more so in the, in the, the Twitter sphere, maybe, I guess. Yeah. Um, 
it's, it's not so much about the implication of what another Republican on the Supreme Court will be. It's more so about the implication of Mitch McConnell's hypocrisy for a lot of people, which obviously is not an effective conversation, but not, not enough people understand, like, like nobody outside of like poli sci students really know, like that are our age, know about the 2000 election. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess you're right. So for all the listeners out there that don't know about the, let, let's tell them about it at least. Sure. Um, so here's a brief breakdown. The the 2000 election uh, between um, President Bush and Al Gore came down to Florida. Now, in Florida, here's the complicated part. Jeb Bush was the governor of Florida, which was George Bush, uh, George Bush's cousin. So it comes all down to Florida. And what it takes the form of is it looks like Al Gore is going to win. And then it takes the form of a recount. So during this recount, if anybody's heard of the hanging Chad incident, I don't have the picture to pull it up in front of you. But it's basically a very misleading way of voting where it's really hard to tell who you actually voted for. So basically, there's a recount called. Everything's starting to change up. And what it comes down to is a Supreme Court decision uh, to conclude that recount and give the race to George Bush. So that's kind of what it looks like there. That's what we're talking about when we talk about the 2000 election and we talk about the Supreme Court decision to choose that president. So, you know, it's not a, it's not a direct thing. It's not, hey, you know, it, it, if we're looking at another decision like this, it's not going to take the form of, well, I mean, uh, it's hard to tell. Let's just let the Supreme Court pick. It's not like that. But the Supreme Court can be very, very important in this upcoming election. So that's what we're talking about when we talk about this. Um, as far as Mitch McConnell, I mean, I have a few arguments for that. Uh, one, Mitch McConnell obviously is very a, a very powerful uh, political figure, and especially powerful when he's, a, he's the majority. So we look at, I mean, we can, we can chalk most of it up when we talk about hypocrisy to basic politics, where if all the roles were reversed in 2000, um, when was it? 2014, 2015? Uh, um, when Scalia passed away? Or yes, yes. Yeah, I think uh, 15 or 16. It might have been 16. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think it was 16 mm -hmm. uh, in 2016. So, I mean, we can talk about hypocrisy with Mitch McConnell, but at the end of the day, people all do the same thing, and that's the same thing that benefits their party, no matter who it is. So I think we, I mean, we can chalk stuff up to ethical, you know, reasons and things of that such. But at the end of the day, people are going to do what benefits their party, where you look at a fast track candidate compared to one that's put off till the next election. So if you're in the majority, I mean, you, you use that power that you have. So it's I, really... also, I don't want to make the implication that like, I'm, I'm going to side with the Democrats no matter what. And like that, we, we don't have the ability to be hypocritical because I, I want to let everyone know right now, I don't like politicians regardless of sides. <laughs> you know, if you're a career politician, there's something immoral like going on with you. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so I mean, if the roles were reversed, I would, I would feel comfortable calling out the hypocrisy on either side uh, at the moment. I mean, I think it's just a matter of, that Mitch McConnell did it and we're waiting for the Democrats to do it, but we already have the evidence of one side doing it. Does that yeah. make sense? No, no, you're definitely right. Um, but I mean, we, we can quote evidence on it or evidence per se, but at the end of the day, we both know both parties are going to do what directly benefits their party, whatever that takes the form of, especially if it's something as casual as fast tracking a 
um, Supreme Court justice versus, to, versus you know, push, putting it off for a little while. Uh, close to election time, it's really easy to justify both ends for whoever's in charge. So I think that's what we're really looking at here. Let's um, let's talk a little bit about the ability of the uh, of the Senate to actually get someone pushed through. Sure. Well, why don't you start on that then? Sure, I'll start. Um, so, if I'm not mistaken, if you have the numbers, back me up on this. But I believe that the conservatives have, or the Republicans have a, uh, I believe, are 53 in the Senate to 47. I, uh, I actually, that? I don't have the numbers with me. Uh, if I know, Layla's it might be fifty-four. I think it's probably fifty-four. I know Layla's in the chat. If you can, if you can do some quick research and throw it up in chat, girl, that'd be great. <laughs> uh, yeah. So what we're looking at right now, anyways, I mean, I guess the mm-hmm. main point is the Republicans have a lead. It's not a necessarily giant lead as we usually see in the Senate, though. So I believe they're really not that far away. I believe they have to flip four seats. Uh, to not have it pass. So I guess that would be 54 to uh, to okay. 46. Okay, sure. So I, I, that so sounds okay. right. I'm, I'm, I think that's right. Uh, nobody, you know. The logic this, is but, sound. <laughs> yeah, the logic is sound. So for all of our listeners out there, let's really take a look at what this looks like. There's a few people facing tough Senate races. Uh, the Alaska senator is. And there's two other senators as well. Mitch Rom- Mitt Romney has come out and said that he wouldn't really support this. Uh, but again, I guess that's probably going to be what depends on it depends on really who's chosen for this role. So what do you think the likelihood of is and we have to remember too, Mitch McConnell passed a resolution or an amendment not too long ago where for to uh to stop a filibuster it only takes a majority so 51 votes to stop a filibuster which would be the main opponent um you know really going into these confirmation hearings so leah what do you really think the ability is to get this pushed through um i mean i think it's going to come down to if there's i mean i i i believe in the the republican ability to like stick together and unify more so than I do uh, in the Democrats to do that. So I, I, I unless the uh, unless Dems can get their stuff together and like a unified point, I think it's there's a good chance it's going to get pushed through, and it's going to be our fault for letting it get pushed through because we can't like, you know, we, we're like I, we just can't like pull through on on anything on important issues. Like I I, I hear this from the right all the time that the left can't unify it, and you're you're absolutely right. You know what I mean? Well, here's the really fun thing moving into this is which I mean it's common knowledge again for poli sci majors, but may not be common knowledge for most people is assuming that the de- or the Democratic Party does actually manage to turn some senators to vote against this. So they would have to turn four senators to get a 50-50 vote. Right, right. So let's say they turn four senators to the Democratic side for, you know, not vying for confirmation. Um, Leah, would you care to enlighten the listeners on who the tiebreaker is in the Senate? Uh, I prefer if you did, because I don't know who that would It be. is the vice president. Okay. See, Mike I- Pence would be the tiebreaker if it was a 50-50 vote. One of the few, one of the few um, important important things that the uh, vice president actually does is chairman of the Senate or chair for the Senate. 
So he is the official tie-breaking vote. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, in in any other situation, I can see that being appropriate. But in, in a situation like this, um, when... This is really new legal times. We, exactly. are, we, are, we are in a brave new world here, as I've stated on the podcast multiple times. So we're getting to see a lot, a lot of new policy and a lot of problems that really haven't haven't arisen before. Or if it is problems, you know, they're problems that are quoted back to like the 1800s, like the founding problems. Like, you know, in the third session of the Supreme Court, you know, like we had to have a tiebreaker, blah, 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 you know, or the Senate. Like uh, very real problems, very, very divisive problems that we're seeing now. Yeah. Um, and. It's, I mean, this is not a, but this, I mean, so if we go back to our, our episode on the Supreme Court that we did with, uh, and with our buddy, Andrew, he actually mm-hmm. made a, he made a point to, uh, recognize that judges should not be partisan. Judges are supposed to be just, just judges. They're supposed to be unbiased and everything like that. This situation to me, at least feels extremely like partisan. It feels, it feels. Well, yeah. this this is kind of the argument as well for Supreme Justices serving life terms, right? as well as Supreme Court Justices being able to act on an issue before it's actually taken before them. Mm-hmm. So those are kind of a couple of the issues we're looking at there. Right. Um, and that's really the argument. I mean, we can say that they're not supposed to be partisan, and people have come out and, you know, said that. Uh, you know, they're not partisan. We're all about the law, all, all about the law. But at the end of the day, people do have fund- fund- fundamentally different versions of interpreting the law. Mm-hmm. And we can say that, you know, your religion isn't going to affect it or your upbringing or whatever it may be. But there's really just different interpretations for most people, which is kind of what we look at. And we're, we're trying to see, too, the uh, obviously lifelong appointment to the Supreme Court is trying to buy you or, uh, you know, take you away from the political swings or whatever the atmosphere may be. But at the end of the day, nobody can be 100% objective, and we can look at it either way. But most of the time, you know, these Supreme Court justices that we bring in, they are going to blow slightly to the right or slightly to the left. And that will all culminate in a decision like if Trump's election or Biden's election is contested. So I think that's what we're really going to look at here. Where you can say you're objective all day, but when it comes down to it, you still have to make a decision on it, and that's where everything kind of comes out. Yeah. I want to shift quickly, going back to uh, justices, you know, being supposed, supposed, supposedly supposed to be um, non-biased or non-partisan, uh, even though they hold, they hold their own personal politics, of course, because everybody has personal politics. Um Coincidentally, a, a week or so before Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away, Trump had mentioned something about um, who he was considering if he got to, if he had the opportunity to pick a new justice uh, before the end of his term. And he brought up three Republican um, senators or representatives, I forget. Um, uh, senators, senators, Ted Cruz, yeah. Tom Cotton, and one more additionally. Yeah, Josh something or other. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember offhand, yeah. but yeah, well, he did bring up three senators. Right. He also, Josh came forward and said, like, I'm not interested, but thank you very much. So he's, that's kind of why also I can't remember his name, but um, yeah. So Tom Cotton and Ted Cruz um, were part of his, his main three. I, I don't want to call them official picks because of course they're not. Um, but the three that he, that he had mentioned, at least in public, and they're obviously not uh, unbiased or nonpartisan. They're, they're, 
Republican senators who have been representing, like... Very uh, vocal as well. Yeah, yeah. So, I... I, Right, yeah. I have a couple things on that topic. Uh, If we're going to talk, so President Trump has released three lists since he's been in office or since the confirmation of Brett Kavanaugh of -hmm. possible Supreme Court justice picks. Mm -hmm. Now, here's how I kind of look at it. I think that that's really a nod to these senators more than it is an actual option. Okay. Because if we're all if we're all being honest, we knew the next Supreme Court justice to go minus some fluke has been will be rbg and that's what happened you know she's been very public about her health problems she's Mm -hmm. been very honest about her health problems so minus some random fluke i think we knew that she was kind of going to be the next supreme court justice to be replaced right now i think what it is when these lists are released there's a lot of uh potential important candidates on there and then there's a lot of other to other people to fill these spots when they bring up replacements so you bring up replacements like this. So are they going to choose probably a woman of color? There are there are already a few picks out. A woman of color or a you know strong conservative. It's going to be a woman no matter what. Trump just announced that I think too. So I think we all knew that was coming for an RBG replacement as far as another woman on the Supreme Court. So I think these other names are really to supplement the fact that that you know that the Trump administration isn't just waiting around for RBG to die. You know it's like. Right. So like, uh, it could be John Roberts, you know, these could be potential picks for him. I think it was kind of to lend some legitimacy uh, or some, you know, designation to that list of picks that we aren't just expecting RBG to die, where we have some legitimate picks on there to replace her. But I think that's really what we're looking at. So I think that was really just to kind of supplement the list in a way. Those, they weren't serious, actual, um, they're not on the short list. They're kind of, they were kind of just like, well, not for RBG. Now we say right. someone, if, I mean, if this was uh, Justice Scalia, we could have very easily taken these lists uh, back in, what was it, 2018. I think this would have been a viable list for 2018 for Justice Scalia picks, which obviously we ended up with Brett Kavanaugh. But I think moving in, most people kind of knew RBG was next on the list. So I think there's some legitimate names on those lists. And I think there's some names that just kind of give a nod to uh, some of those supporting senators. Okay. Um, the only one I think who actually made uh, a claim toward, like, in in response to that was, or unless Ted Cruz did 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 too, but I don't remember what his response was, uh, was Tom Cotton um, saying, and pretty much the only thing he said in response to that was, "Yes, it's time for Roe v. Wade to go," which interesting response. Uh, I think that that is of course an implication towards whether it's Tom Cotton or not. And of course it's not going to be um, who gets the spot. I wonder if that's the general attitude towards taking specifically RBG's place. Okay. Well, that's very, that's very interesting as well. Cause as every, well, as people may or may not, excuse me, may or may not know RBG was really the, uh, the strong liberal on the Supreme court when it came to a lot of these issues. Um, a couple thoughts on that. First of all, I do not think that that's going to be a decision on the Supreme Court. I think the important issues coming up are going to be the election. We have a few corporate issues coming up as well on the roster for the Supreme Court. But do I think that it's really going to lend to overthrowing Roe versus Wade? I really don't think that's going to be an issue. And that's really not a rallying cry for, let's say, conservatives, for most conservatives. 
Um, so I, I really don't think that's going to be an issue. I think that's something that's easy to point to mm-hmm. and say that they're going to overthrow Roe versus Wade. You know, that's what they're going to do. They're going to overthrow it, you know, as soon as they get a Supreme Court majority. But I really think it's going to be a, a little bit different. I, I don't think that's really going to probably come up. Okay, well, that's actually very comforting to hear from from somebody on the right. Uh, um, you know, being in, in a liberal echo chamber, the only thing I ever hear is like they want to take Roe v. Wade away from you. You know, but it's it's nice to hear. Well, that it's that's a, not... it's an easy rallying cry, but I yes. I really don't think that's an issue for most voters for sure. Okay. And so, you know, saying we have this super PAC Supreme Court. But, you know, Roe versus Wade overturning it really appeals to an extremely limited number of people. So I really don't see any benefits, even if you, if it is a more conservative court. I really don't see the benefit to that at all for the Republicans. Okay, interesting. So I don't think that's an issue that's really going to be pushed at all. Okay, um, well, that's, that's good to hear, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what, do you have anything else to add? Uh, let's see, anything else to add? Uh, nothing more, uh, a few predictions I made, if you follow me on Twitter. Sure, yeah, let's, Uh, you know, let's go over them, if you, if you want. Yeah, well, a couple predictions, they're already mostly out. Uh, I said two things. I said Trump is going to appoint a woman, and it's either going to be a woman of color or a Catholic. And one of the strongest picks moving forward is a Catholic woman. I don't have her name written down. Uh, big mistake on my part. Um, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Okay, uh, okay, it's okay. Amy Comey Barrett, and she is a Catholic, and I really think this is probably going to be the choice here for Trump. There are a few other aspects or a few other choices, but I really think she's going to be the one. Um, she has seven children. Uh, let's see. She has seven children. Four of them are by her. Two are two were adopted during the Haitian earth, earthquake crisis. And when was that? 2000? Uh, 12 or earlier or no or wait wait no i'm thinking of you know all the big haitian earthquakes yeah i think i'm thinking of the right thing (laughs) okay well let's not put a year on it uh but basically her and her husband adopted two haitian children they have one special needs child uh she's a she's a she's a pretty devout catholic in the seventh circuit court I believe. Um, but I really think that's going to be the pick. And I think I probably called that one from five miles away. So not to brag a little bit, mm-hmm. but kind of knew that one was coming. I really think that's going to be the pick. There's going to be some other entertained options. There's going to be some other really good choices. Uh, but let's talk about, I'll tell you what, Leah, let's talk about how you think the actual hearings will go again. Because we touched on this a little bit earlier. But what I think we're going to see is Trump is going to pick someone who's very, very difficult, like Amy Comey Barrett, for example, to bash the way that Kavanaugh was bashed, to to really, really go at him, go at his family. I think he's going to pick someone that's uh, really tough to do that to as far as an actual person. And I think that will be tough to rally the base around if they see some really nice, you know, a uh, white Catholic woman who's adopting Haitian children and blah, blah, blah. It's a lot tougher to bash them than it is to, you know, bash Kavanaugh, absolutely destroy him in Senate hearings. 
So uh, what do we think about that? So I'm going to say something similar to what I said earlier. And obviously, I think you're implying this by the way you worded your question. Um, Kavanaugh being like being in the position that he was being nominated for being a Supreme Court justice um, and having a rape rape accusation more more than one, but one a very, very public one, of course. Um, uh, yeah, a lot of them were debunked, but yes, go on. Right, right. But uh, my, you know, the implication is that here in my in my statement here is that like there is a huge moral compass error when it comes to Kavanaugh, um, a, a, an alleged one, of course. But but being that justice is based mostly around morals, uh, that was something that that through through a lot of people for a loop that this guy has no morals how can we trust him to like be well that's the argument behind it of course yes of course um but when you put someone who on a on a surface level on paper is just made of morals like being you know being religious being um you know adopting uh children in crisis things like that i think that's going to be the democratic uh downfall in this situation if our entire reason for not letting this get pushed through is because McConnell blocked it however long ago, then that's not going to be enough. We're going to need to take Yeah, and I agree. And most people aren't really going to, you know, look okay. for that. And it's a lot harder to, let's be honest, dig up dirt on a woman. Um, well, I, to I, some I, extent, I, I'm just saying it's, it's a lot easier for a man to really make, I mean, not to get into the Kavanaugh hearings, but it's a lot easier for random allegations to stick with something like that that are unverified. Um, it's a lot tougher to have a really arguing point for a, uh, a woman that's being appointed like that. So I think it'd be a little bit tougher to actually do that. I think that's where the the progressive left comes in strong, actually. Uh, not taking, you know, just like, yes, girl boss feminism. like yeah not taking that bs and just kind of saying like no this woman's actually a horrible person like regardless of the fact that she's a woman yeah. um but unfortunately they're the less vocal portion of the left like it's gonna be mostly liberals just saying like oh like oh it's just you know she's like a melania type character you know girl boss whatever and yeah like, I hate liberals. <laughs> well, uh, I have two thoughts on this as well, or maybe one thought. Uh, but moving forward, I think this is really going to be a distinction. It's definitely going to be um, – I'll have a couple predictions at the end of the podcast, but I have a couple things to state moving forward. And number one, this is obviously going to be a prime election issue. So the two arguments are either that this rallies the Democratic base, or I think if we go through a kind of – kind of hearing that Kavanaugh did with someone someone like a you know an empowered respectable woman it's going to be very tough to bash that where people I mean people look at the Kavanaugh hearing too and either have one point of view you know you have the point of view that this was totally justified we believe everything you're like oh my god like he destroyed the like you know his family was you know publicly ridiculed and you know uh, during senate hearings where I think it kind of turns off a few of the moderates so if we if we pick someone like that that's even less susceptible than Kavanaugh is to some of this stuff some of this stuff I mean I think that might turn off portions of the party where the votes kind of been on the line and where the left has kind of been losing ground as far as the radical versus the moderate mm -hmm. uh, argument is I think also it, it depend it's going to def definitely depend on the characteristics of the woman and how she present presents herself if she ends up 
giving off a very Nancy Pelosi, Hillary Clinton vibe, people on both sides are going to hate her. But if she ends up giving off an Ivanka Trump vibe, who is, you know, very, very sociable, very, I mean, on the surface, very likable, even if I don't appreciate her personal politics and things Mm -hmm. like that. She's on the surface. She looks likable. She looks, she always presents herself well and, and, you know, in public and in political in the political public sphere as well as just the public sphere of being like a socialite and things like that if if she gives off if this whoever this woman is who gets a not not nominated whether it's the one that you're uh predicting or if it's a different woman or if it's anyone in general yeah. if she gives off a friendly socialite vibe it doesn't matter what her moral compass is going to be because like you'll she'll have the right no matter what if she gives off a Nancy Pelosi, Hillary Clinton vibe, the left and the right are both going to hate her. So it definitely depends on her social presentation, I think. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And um, let's go ahead and start wrapping up, Leah. Mm-hmm. Let's kind of give our final thoughts on really what we think about this. Um, I'll make some predictions right now that I'm pretty sure that are going to come through. Uh, Trump it- has officially announced now that he will choose a woman, which I really don't think was a big surprise to anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I think we're really going to look at moving forward is it's going to be someone with unresolving moral compass where it's really hard to argue against them at all. I mm-hmm. think it's going to be someone exactly like that that just happens to lean a little more conservative so that the left will look bad during uh, the confirmation hearings if they bash her relentlessly. So I think it's going to be a very, uh, very reasonable woman. I think it's going to be someone who is, you know, just really hard to argue about. So, I mean, I had my pick out there for Amy Comey Barrett, mm-hmm. and I really think that's the one that's going to take it, but we'll see moving forward. Um, hopefully, we're going to hear an announcement of at least a new list, possibly an actual name on Monday. Um, so, Leah, what are your kind of thoughts, uh, final thoughts moving forward? Well, I'll be honest with you. I don't, I don't have a, a personal prediction because I – Honestly, don't even know what the shortlist looks like. So yeah. I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take your word for it. She sounds. She sounds like uh, the right woman for the job for Trump, at least. Um, and I agree with you that it's gonna be tough to if, if if she's got an unresolving moral compass, it's going to definitely be tough to fight that in a, in a sense other than just like oh, but Mitch did this like four years ago so now we get to do this you know like yeah that's a tough argument to sell really only platform in disputing this then we have another thing coming (laughs) yeah um Um, well okay uh thanks everybody who joined us um if there's any protests or anything that kicks off i will do some live recording from the supreme courthouse uh, hopefully this week, and hopefully we'll, we'll get some news. Maybe we'll get to see some protests, some riot. Who knows what's going to happen? Make sure to tune in. Thank you all so much for joining us, uh, Dean and Leah, on a special edition of the Credentials Buffering Podcast, talking about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So make sure to like, share, tell your friends, tell your family about it, and uh, keep tuning in. Thank you all so much.